With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oh, baby, baby. Woo! We've got the French Grand Prix coming up. And you know what happens when the French Grand Prix is coming up. I get a little bit excited. The most interesting, fascinating Grand Prix there ever is. It's episode 171. have for you today ladies and gentlemen cheros muffins and legends Woo. file in to the Perth International Racing Circuit Woo. 637 million minimum 54 miles long minimum and cost me 84 billion dollars minimum Woo. I'm feeling mighty, mighty good today as we get ready for that French Grand Prix. Yes, sirree. We've got a big show for you today. Oh, we're going to be talking about your lovely boy, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Whether or not he can actually get that win this year or not. Keep that streak alive. As well as some stats of the week that'll blow your mind. I'll do a little what-if scenario around Ayrton Senna. What if he'd survived that crash? We're going to dive into that one. As well as sprint races for next year? Oh my lord. And across these love files, there is a lot to talk about. But before we get started, we need to hand the mic over to a man. That's exactly right. A man that wants to fill your croissant with his long baguette. The man that invented the menage au trois. That man. Is Mr. David Croft taken away, Crofty? It's lights out and away we go. Once a week, one man emerges from the pit lane to deliver all the news, discussion, and results of Formula One. Well, that time has arrived. Sit back, relax. For the Park It in My Ferme show. Here is your host, Colby. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Grab on tight with both hands because it is your main squeeze. 
Oh, my Lord. Cody, a.k.a. The Cordopotamus. And I am trackside here at the Piff Internastia Racing Circuit, just in the jacuzzi. I like to ooze in that jacuzzi, baby. And you know I'm butt naked. It's the only way I can do this show as I look out into the sea of millions <laughs> and millions of cherubs, muffins, and of course the legends up there in the Legends Lounge. You can sign up if you want to be part of that Legends Lounge. Get yourself extra discount in the merch store, Woo, if you don't mind. And you know why? I've got those legends up there looking around for my Fermi. I seem to have misplaced it again. I've really got to hold on to that thing tight. But remember, if you guys do find my Fermi, to park it on up in there as it is the Park It In My Fermi Show, the number one comedy F1 podcast in the entire world, if you don't mind, according to my mum, and she's never, ever wrong. We've got all the news, opinions, results, discussions, previews, reviews, love triangles, French Grand Prix, getting your giddy-ups ready and more. Episode 171, coming at you like Bill Cosby with a couple of fresh cocktails. But don't be down like a clown, Charlie Brown, if you've missed out on the previous 170. They're on the greatest website ever made that doesn't contain the naked boobies yet. That's parkingintmyfermate.com, or better yet. Look down at that podcast listening device of yours. Yeah? Is it Spotify? Is it Apple Apple Podcasts? Is it Google Podcasts? Is it iHeartRadio? Whatever one it is, it doesn't matter. You see that subscribe and follow button? How about you give it a light, gentle spanking like it was a long-lost lover? That way you get to hear this. Sexy, soothing, smooth sounds three times a week and there ain't a damn thing wrong with getting down and dirty in the slop looking for a little slap and tickle with the cool depotamus three times a week. No, 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 no. But what the hell are we going to talk about today? Well, I ran through it quickly, but we're going to have a little chat about Sir Lewis Hamilton, how his season's going so far, whether or not he can beat George Russell, whether or not he can go even further up that driver's championship ladder, maybe even get himself that win, keep the streak alive. Can it all happen? We've got some stats of the week that'll blow your damn mind. We've got a what-if scenario around Anton Senna and how it would re- change the impact, the championship today, if Anton Senna survived in 1994. We're also going to be talking about sprint races. Yes, I'm going to be outlining the six tracks that deserve a sprint race next season, as well as a saucy, sexy Crofty's Love Files. You don't want to miss any of that, so make sure you stick around, but... I'm looking out right now. I'm looking into the audience. You're looking hideous. You're looking disgusting. What the hell's wrong with you? You rock up to the Pimp International Racing Circuit, the premier racing circuit. I took I took the private chopper from the Palais and the South of France to get here today. And this is how you look up. This is how you address yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror every morning. You rock up to the circuit looking like that. No, no, no. I can't have any of that. Head on over to the merch store right now, parkinginmyfermate.com slash merch. Maybe pick yourself up something half decent because you're looking hideous right now. May I suggest a nice little pimp embroidered silk robe, perhaps? Now we're talking. Now you're looking sexy as ever. Ooh, good enough to, good enough to eat. <laughs> but hey, let's not fuck about. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Lewis Hamilton will not get the rear wing open. He's now got he's going to go down the outside. If Verstappen keeps it tight and neat, but he hasn't. He's gone a little bit wide. This race that started with controversy is ending with controversy. No, Mikey. No, no, Mikey. That was so not right. Here comes 
Lewis Hamilton though, down the back straight, he's got a slipstream, he almost touches Verstappen, they almost make contact, into turn nine, Verstappen stays ahead of Lewis Hamilton, of all the drama, of all the controversy, of all the magic moments in Formula One in 2021, it comes down to this, and at this moment, it looks like it's going to go the way of Max Verstappen, Mercedes not happy, Red Bull will be delighted, they have shared a brilliant championship battle, but the championship can only be won by one, and it's going Dutch in 2021. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Lewis Hamilton finishes in second place after leading for so, so long. Oh my lord, Max! Oh my god! Oh my god! Make sure you like the socials at Park It In My Ferme on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, that is exactly what you need to do. Don't dilly-dally like your homegirl Sally from the Valley. Go ahead and like those socials. Like them hard. Yeah, hard and fast. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Ah. Sorry, what was that now? Wow. Ah. Ah. One more time. Wow. Ah. Oh, Natalie Pink. All the pinks. Ooh. She just gets my motor running. She knows exactly what she's doing. But I'll tell you what. I know exactly what I'm doing. And that is I get up every morning. I do the same ritual every day. I get this question often. Oh, Cody. How are you so handsome? How are you so awesome in every way? I don't know how I'm so fucking awesome. But I'll tell you what I do know. Is I get out of that California king-size water bag every morning. I walk over to that mirror. That floor to ceiling mirror. And I stare at myself three, four, five hours every single morning. Oiled up, fully erect. That's a good way to start the day. I'm telling you right now. Admiring every inch, millimeter on that perfect specimen. Oh, damn, it's good looking. Oh, yes. And then Klaus walks in. And he brings me an email that is printed out because, you know, that's how this story goes. Dear Cordopotamus, your intros are too long. And uh, really? Really? You got a problem with the length of the intro? How about you go fuck yourselves? Making the intro twice as long, hit it! It's lights out! No, I'm not doing that. You're lucky, you're lucky that I'm pulling it up right now. But I'll tell you what, you have one more thing to say about the intro. Oh, what, what, you want to go listen to WTF1 podcast? Welcome, everyone, to the WT... Mac, shut the fuck up, Matt. Shut the fuck up. I tell you what, that podcast is remarkably better, the episodes where Matt doesn't rock up and it's just Tom and Katie. I'm telling you that right now. Welcome, everybody, to the WT... Shut the fuck up. What kind of intro is that? i got David Croft here in studio with me recording our intro. Isn't that right, Crofty? It's lights out and- No, Crofty, I didn't want you to start. <laughs> I've got Natalie Pink's here. Wow. Oh, I've got the whole game. Voiceover man's here. Everyone's here. That's how you do an intro. And if you've got a problem with my intro, if you want subpar intros, if you want intros with no pizzazz, no love, no, no cojones, no meaty clackers, then yeah, you go listen to those other podcasts. 
They don't care about you. Called bottomless gears. Oh, you don't think you do? How about you come over here right now? You subscribe. You follow. You listen. You tell me I don't care. Three shows a week, baby, just for you. Woo! Let's dive right in. So fuck you with your email. Intro's perfect. But I've got to have a little chat about Sir Lewis Hamilton just to calm down now. The man who got to bang the hell out of that pussycat doll singer. Ooh. And if that's the only thing he ever accomplished in his entire life, he would still be a remarkable man. But you then throw in the most wins, the most polls, equal most championships, blah, 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 blah. And we start to really see how remarkable the great man is. Two statistics that I haven't even mentioned that stand out the most, that, that impress me the most, that prove he really is the great one. The main one, the first one. He was knighted. Sir Lewis Hamilton while still competing for championships. Knighted while still competing in the sport at the top of his game. That is rare. The Royal Palace said, nope, nope, we can't wait until he retires. We can't even wait until the end of his career. We can't wait until he's near the end of his career. He's so damn good. We must knight him now, right now. Knight him, knight him now. But stat number two. He has won a race in every single year he has competed in Formula One. No other driver has done that. Some have come close. Some have come close. Michael Schumacher, close. Ayrton Senna, close. But, alas, the statistic eludes them because only Sir Lewis Hamilton has accomplished that so far. And right now he finds himself in unfamiliar position right now. Unfamiliar territory. He's losing out to a teammate. George Russell, Mr. Consistency, your grandma's wet dream. He's currently fifth on the Drivers' Championship. And Lewis Hamilton is sixth. 19 points behind. Let's take a little look at that. Is that really telling us the full story, the full picture? Is that something Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton need to be worried about? Is Lewis okay being overshadowed by a teammate in order for his team's success? I would say no, he's not okay with it. He's not okay with it one bit, and nor should he be. That's what separates him from the rest of the Formula One drivers in the history of the sport. Lewis Hamilton's a bit of an asshole, and that's okay. You have to be an asshole in order to be great in the sport. You do. Formula One's not the only one, but Michael Schumacher was an asshole. Ant Senna was a bit of a prick. Alan Prost, prick. Lewis Hamilton, arsehole. Sebastian Vettel, when he was a four-time world champ, you don't think he was an arsehole? Now look at him. He's all about the bees and trees. And now he's nowhere near the front of the grid. You've got to be an arsehole. You have to at all times think you're better than not only everyone else, but your teammate as well. You have to, otherwise what's the point of competing? In his last three races, let's focus on that. Things have things seem to have changed. I would make the argument that up until Baku, yes, there were some great concerns for that team. We were looking at Mercedes going, what the fuck is happening there? The car wouldn't stop porpoising. They then snitched about the porpoising to the FIA and said, oh, it's too dangerous. FIA need to do something. And FIA said, well, fuck you, motherfuckers. You sort out your own damn porpoising. But it looks like they're starting to get a handle of the car. Reliability was never an issue at Mercedes. In fact, they've only retired the car once, and that wasn't a reliability issue. That was because someone crashed into George Russell's car. Hamilton has finished every lap 
this season. He's gone full race distance every single time. He's the only driver to have done that. And on top of that, in the last three races, Sir Lewis Hamilton has managed to get on the podium. Something that Carlos Sainz and George Russell haven't managed to do three times in a row. Sir Lewis Hamilton has. There is some pace in that car. Sir Lewis Hamilton has the fastest lap to his name. There is no question about it. And you have a guy that's driving that car that knows that car better than any other driver knows their own car. I mean, maybe Max and that Red Bull, they seem to have a very special relationship. But Lewis and this Mercedes, oh, they know what's up. Lewis is off to France this weekend. And he has some serious pace about him. And it is a good track for Mercedes. Ferrari and Red Bull have some issues. They've retired their car 11 times already. Mercedes only once. If there is one or two DNF issues again in France, which I suspect there probably will be, Mercedes and Hamilton will be on the podium yet again. They don't have the pace yet. Hamilton finished third in Austria. He was 38 seconds off the lead. And that was with a virtual safety car with 10 laps remaining. But with more and more upgrades coming, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Mercedes bridge that gap and start getting some finishes ahead of Ferrari and Red Bull cars this season. I think with a strong second half, Hamilton will get himself into third or fourth in the Drivers' Championship. And Mercedes will all of a sudden be knocking on the inconsistent Ferrari's door for a second in that Constructors. Hamilton's record of a win in every single year is still alive as well. And I'm eyeing off the Monza maybe even a Brazil in the second half of the season, as the best opportunities and chances for Hamilton to keep that streak alive. He just needs, just needs one more win. Just one more win. You can do it, Lewis. One more. He wants to be the very best, better than Schumacher. But his car's slower than the rest. His cars won't take him far. He will travel from track to track on his scooter with Angela. He played with that pussycat doll's rack. She really firmed his ball. Hamilton, gotta win one more race. You gotta get up first place, Hamilton. Oh, your car is shit. Spending more time in the pits. Hamilton, just one more win. But your car is so damn slow But one more win in the first place Hamilton Fucking win the race Fucking win the race Yeah uh. His teammate gets a top five Every single time Hamilton scrapping to stay alive While he fucking whines He needs one more to keep his stats A win in every year But this car is so damn shit It's gonna be his worst fears Hamilton gotta win one more race You gotta get up first place Hamilton Oh! Is shit, spending more time in the pit. Hamilton, just one more win. But your car is so slow. One more win, or a first place. Hamilton, fucking win the race.
Just one more win, baby. Just one, baby. Wow. It's all you need. Uh, I believe. Uh, I don't We all believe. Okay, yeah, yeah, I did. Hamilton, gotta win one more, one more race. You gotta get a first place, Hamilton. Oh, you carry shit, spending more time in the pits. Hamilton, just one more win. But your cars are so damn slow. One more win, oh, one first place. Hamilton, fucking win the race. Fucking win the Hamilton. race. Just one more win. Just one more, Lewis. You can do it, baby. But now it's time for your stat of the week. I'm a stat man. Formula One stat man. Cody's a stat man. Yeah, stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stat time. Yeah. Oh, so much stats. So many stats. I don't know if this intro is even long enough. There's that many stats. Uh, stats, stats, stats. Yeah. Ooh, so many stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. Oh, I am a stat man. And we've had 99 1-2 constructors finishes since 2007. That's 32% of races have had a constructors 1-2 finish. Mercedes, not surprisingly, leads all teams with 53 of those 99 finishes. Red Bull has 20, Ferrari 13, McLaren 8, Braun has 4, Sauber has 1. In 2015, Mercedes dominated Formula 1. I don't know if you remember, but they certainly did. Having 12 1-2 finishes in a single season. Whereas in 2021 and 2012, there was only one for the entire season. Red Bull in 2012 had one, and McLaren famously last year had a 1-2 finish, which is more remarkable when you realize they finished third in the Constructors a long way behind Red Bull and Mercedes. But that Monza win, ooh, that was something. That had it going right there, baby. But how's that for your stat of the week? He's a stat man. Ooh, that was a good stat. Yeah, such a good stat. Such a, such a good stat. You know it was. He's a stat man. Hey, let's go on with the show. Cool, he's pretty cool. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Now I need to start out by saying that what if scenarios are just for a bit of fun to see how the landscape of the sport would have changed and if my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle. I know that's the same. I was sitting there the other day and I was getting a nude message from Klaus as I often do. And it got me thinking about Ayrton Senna. Would he be the greatest driver of all time if he'd survived that horrific crash back in 1994? Let's look at the facts right now. Ayrton is a three-time world champion. 
only racing for 10 years in Formula 1. He raced in a total of 161 F1 races and he won 41 of them with 80 podiums, 65 pole positions and 19 fastest laps. He tragically lost his life on the 1st of May 1994 when he crashed in Imola at the San Marino Grand Prix. Senna was leading the race at the time of the incident and furthermore, Michael Schumacher went on to win the World Championship that year and it would be his first of seven in the sport. So the question to be asked is, what if Senna survived the crash? What if he was able to miraculously walk away from the incident and return at the next race in Monaco? The 1994 season results for the two races that Senna completed in were a bit of a mixed bag. Well, no, no, they weren't. They were shit. They were utter shithouse. He retired in both of those two races at the start of the season. In both Interlagos and the Pacific Grand Prix. However, Senna was able to secure pole position in both races. He was blisteringly quick in that Williams and looking at how his teammate Damon Hill was racing Schumacher in Adelaide at the final race of the season for the championship, we can certainly say that Senna's car that season was quick enough to win the title. Hill also had a rough start to the season. Yes, he got a second place in Brazil, but that was followed up by two retirements and a sixth place. It was clear that the new regulations, the removal of the driver aids and electronic assistance like traction control and all of that was giving the drivers a little bit of grief. There was a few teething problems, but it wasn't long before they were able to get on top of it and start yielding the results they were expecting to get. Because of this, we need to make the assumption that Senna is no different. In arguably the fastest car in the field, he would have tamed it. And within the next race being Monaco, the track he dominated his whole career, so much so that they dubbed him the king of Monaco, it's safe to assume he may have taken the win there as well. Even if that was all, even if that was it, that was the only difference that was made. That means that Damon Hill wins the Drivers' World Championship that season. With 12 races to go, Senna would have eaten into an early lead that Schumacher had, just like Damon Hill did, and instead of the controversial ending in Adelaide in 1994, we would have seen either Damon Hill or Ayrton Senna crowned champion that season. See, I think Schumacher still wins in 1995. That Benetton was just, as the kids would say, it was built differently. Hill and David Coulthard in that Williams in 95 couldn't get near Schumacher, who won over Hill by 33 points. Which was a lot back then in the old point system. It's a domination. But Schumacher then retires like he did at the end of the 2012 season. Only a pathetic six-time world champion now, not seven. Horrible. Only six? What a loser. This then means that Sir Lewis Hamilton in 2020 season has claimed his seventh world title in Turkey in that amazing wet race and he would most likely retire at the end of the season. Take a listen to Hamilton getting that historic win. The world championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton wins the Turkish Grand Prix and is a seven time champion of the world. Mate, you have got to be proud of that. What an awesome drive. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. You can do it too, man. I believe in you guys. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support.
Oh, he does it for the kids, man. This one's for the kids. He doesn't want to keep racing if he's already beaten every record in the books. He wants to go off and make some music, eat some vegan food, play with Roscoe, and think about that time he got to finger a pussycat doll. Max Verstappen, then, has time of his life in 2021. No Hamilton challenging him. George Russell is in the seat a season earlier in that Mercedes. So the possibilities are endless with this. Senna could have won three more world titles if he survived. But even if he didn't win a single one, even if he just, just took some points away from Michael Schumacher, it would have changed everything for decades to come. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you think the same thing I think? If he had survived in 1994, do you think he would have taken any points away from Schumacher, which meant Hill would have won the title that year, which meant when Schumacher retired with six, Lewis retires with seven, and Lewis is already out of the sport. I don't know. I just found it fascinating. I was just going on a little thought tr trail the other day, and that's just what I was thinking about. It's just something to think about. Just something to think about. Let me know on the socials. I park it in my family on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But Klaus, I mean, you know, I don't need to keep reminding you we're halfway through the show. Wake up, Klaus. Need to effing wake up because we've got a huge second half. So just, you get me worked up. I need to go. I'm, I'm a bit parched. Need a double Midori on ice pronto. And while I'm sorting that out, while Doris is getting one for me, I'm going to go take a piss. I'll come back. Just keep the people entertained. Yeah, I'll be one sec. <laughs> generations, people would watch cars go by until they finally wanted them to go by fast. Racing was then born. And who was going to talk about all the racing? Why, Caldi, of course. Welcome to the Pocket in My Ferme show, the number one comedy F1 podcast in the world. Here's your host, Caldi. Oh, baby, baby. Woo. What a first half that was. A bit of what if. Of what a fantasy role play with Ayrton Senna and the Lewis Hamilton chat as well. Can you all fight up for a huge second half coming your way? We're going to be talking sprint races and what six tracks deserve them next season, as well as the cheeky little Crofty's Love Files, if you don't mind. Woo! That and much, much more, too. You want to also make sure you subscribe and follow on your podcast listening device because coming up. In the next couple of episodes, we're going to really start breaking down everything going on in the French Grand Prix. Get you all fired up. Give you all the bold predictions, the lock of the week, so you can go out there, put some bets on, make some moolah. But Klaus, clearly I'm rambling. Please, fade me out, baby. Fade me out. Make sure you like the socials at Park It In My Ferme on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, that's exactly what you need to do. Go ahead and like them like you were Natalie Pinks and you were liking the vibrations. Wow. <laughs> oh, nuts. Oh, one more time. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. But hey, we need to dive straight in and start talking some sprint races because, well, there's a little chat about the sprint races for next year. We just had one in Austria, so it's about time we talk about them, yeah? And next year, they've decided there's going to be six sprint races if the FIA can get their own heads out of their own ass. But hey, sprint races are in F1. Yay. Look, the Austrian sprint, it was all right, wasn't it? Like, I mean, it wasn't horrible. 
for when cars can't naturally overtake each other over and over again. And we all get caught up in a DRS train and there aren't any mandatory pit stops. It essentially just becomes watching the 20 cars do 20 formation laps, really. And then they call it a day, trying to avoid each other so their cars are good to go on the Sunday. There are maybe one or two moments, but if Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc just get off the line really well at the start, and then they just pull away, that's it. We get bored, and the lead of the race never changes. The midfield might, but the lead won't. I've said it before, I'm happy that F1 and the FIA are trying new things. I don't hate it at all. It, it's the right time to start trying to capitalize on it all as well. You've got these brand new fans in. You've done it already. You've given us three US races. Drive to Survive was an amazing idea as well. You signed off on that. We've got Keanu Reeves, Brad Pitt, and, and whoever else working on Formula One movies and docuseries. Everyone wants your sexy product. And that's fucking awesome. But we're at a crucial point now where we can't be stale. We can't shit the bed Amber Heard style or we have to be innovative. We need to constantly adapt and evolve the sport to make it suitable for today. We need to not get bogged down to listening to the greats of the sport for how the sport should be in the next 20 years. Damon Hill is 61. He won a championship in 95, wasn't it? 96 maybe. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. And if you want to have a great insight to how racing was in the 90s, then he's the guy you go and ask. But it's 2022 now. I don't give a flying fuck what his opinion is. What his stance are on Formula One. His views are outdated and they're wrong. But alas, I'm going on another I don't like Damon Hill rant and I can't just keep doing that. But apparently they want six more sprint races for next year. And the teams and Formula One have all signed off on it. The only ones that haven't are the money-hungry cunts that are the FIA. Wanting more of that financial compensation because they are greedy, filthy whores. All of them. But let's assume that we go ahead and there are six sprint races next year. We need to ask ourselves the question, where will they be? What tracks are we going to be racing at? I think if you want to showcase sprints as being the way moving forward, then we need to be very careful selecting the tracks that can provide the most entertainment on and off the tracks. Best racing, best entertainment. Toto said this, I think I have trust in one person to choose the right sprint races. It's Stefano Dominicali. And Stefano will have seen the Austrian race and will take it into considerations. I think the reason why races have less entertainment is because there's just too much performance gap between the teams. If you have Verstappen disappearing in the distance, the two Ferraris being the only entertainment during the race, and then we, Mercedes, are in the middle of nowhere in no man's land. Then the others are further behind. And then you have a DRS train that never can make a good sprint race. I agree 100%. If you want something for the drivers to fight for each and every day on a race weekend, then sprints are something to consider. However, they need to be more entertaining. You guys don't want to even entertain the idea of a reverse grid. That's fine. So that's out the window. You've added more points to the sprints. That's a good start. But I'm thinking, fuck it. Let's just have two races on a weekend. Let's give FP2 to fuck right off. Have FP1 on Friday, have Quali on Friday, race one Saturday, race two Sunday. Let's make pit stops mandatory. I don't know, just try something different. But here's where I think we have to have our six sprint races. I'm giving a sprint race to the US. They need one. 
And I'm thinking it's Austin, the circuit of the Americas. They're going to be the one that feels left out. Miami's a brand new circuit. It gets the awkward Brundle grid walks. Vegas will be there. But Coda, it's a great track. Having that as a sprint is a great idea. They know how to put on an event, get people there, get people excited. Let's lean into that. Next up on the list, Brazil. Sao Paulo Grand Prix. It's proven that it can be a great track for overtaking. It's held them before. It's an awesome track. Simple as that. Yes, we're not going to have Hamilton at the back of the grid against the scrubs, but still. I mean, I like the track. I think it's a great track. I think it's going to be great with these cars. I think there's going to be a lot of drama. I'm looking forward to it. I think that'd be a great sprint track weekend. How about Monza? How about let's reward Monza for giving us amazing races year after year. Gasly won in 2020. Ricardo 2021. High speed. Lots of great spots for overtaking. It's an awesome track. Get that one on there. What about Kailami? South African Grand Prix. Have a sprint there as an apology for dicking them around so much. For ignoring an entire continent for 30 years. Just because their continent doesn't have any oil there doesn't mean that they need to get punished for it. What better way to welcome Formula 1 back than have a sprint race weekend there? How about Bahrain? Fuck, I hate to even say it. But Bahrain put on some great races. They just do. They, they know what they're doing on a race weekend. Their races are usually entertaining. Something happens. If it's not a man catching on fire, something else happens. Some drama. It's always close. Track limit controversies. Something always goes on. Bahrain deserve it. And finally, let's add Japan. Keep it diverse. Spread the love around. Make sure all the time zones get some juicy, juicy racing for themselves. Suzuka is a great circuit, and I can't wait to see us race there in a few months' time. But I think it's the perfect place for a sprint weekend as well. Oh, that just gets my motor running. I go from six to midnight just thinking about racing there. Here's the thoughts of Big Dick Danny Rick. Give your girl a bone, Daniel Ricciardo. He's what he had to say on sprints. He said he likes it. The Friday, it's a bit more fun for the driver, to be honest. And also, I've said it a few times. But when you've been doing it for 10 years, like a Friday practice, I think when there's something to fight for every day, it does keep the weekend a bit more... I don't want to say exciting, but there's more purpose. Every session. You don't have the luxury of two hours of track time Friday to get it right. You have another session Saturday morning. So you have one session. There's a lot of pressure on everyone. And then it's bang straight into quality. I think that mix-up is good. I think it kind of refreshing as well. I think they're boosting it next year, and so I'm okay with that. And I think racing as well, every time the lights go out, that's when your adrenaline's at its highest. I agree with you, BDDR. We think Danny Rick's right, as always. He knows better than anyone. He's the one that's weighed down, slowed down by that massive sledgehammer between his creamy thighs. And if he's the one saying he wants to keep racing, then we keep racing, baby. But what do you guys think? If we stick with sprint races, where would you like to see them? Let me know on the socials at Parker in my Fermi on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Well, after having a little fun in Sao Paulo, Crofty now looked to settle down in Doha. But 
Without warning, it looks like Crofty's found himself another lady. Will he be able to keep his hands to himself? Find out now on the latest episode of Crofty's Love Files. Sat in Hamad International Airport in Doha, guitar, waiting for Karun Chandot to collect my bags from the carousel. I went and grabbed a couple of double Midoris on ice with Martin Brundle in the lounge. MB lit up a cigar he picked up in Sao Paulo and a thin veil of smoke filled the room, much like the smoke from Hamilton's tyres back in Baku that one time. One of the flight attendants that tended to our every need was enjoying a drink at the bar looking over in our direction checking us out like we were Lewis's rear wings and she was Max Verstappen. If she looked any harder, the FIA were about to slap her with a 50,000 euro fine. She sure was fine. MB put his cigar out and made his way over to her. Like she was Megan the Stallion, he was looking for another interview. Oh no, oh dear god. She looked uncomfortable, upset that it was him and not me. And I wasn't worried. I knew I was going to get my moment with her. Martin Brundle tried every trick in the book. But it turns out that he must have been illiterate. Because she threw that drink right in his face. Before he made his way back to me, defeated and ashamed, limping back to his chair like Lando Norris limped back to the pits after a puncture on lap one. I laughed. Unimpressed, MB said, Well, why don't you give it a go if you think you can do better? I smiled, slammed my drink back and stood up. I looked over towards this beauty of the skies. She smiled and crossed her legs in a way that revealed way too much thigh. Like she was an F1 engine and the bodywork of the car had been removed. I could almost see everything. I got closer and she smiled. What took you so long? She said as I settled near her. Thought I'd give the old timer an opportunity first before I made my move, I said. She looked me up and down like I was an FIA regulations and she was Michael Massey. She kicked out the chair from under the bar so I could take a seat next to her. You're you're the man from the television, aren't you? She said. Yeah, that's true. I'm David Croft. But you can call me Crofty. Don't worry, dull face. We can swap seats if that one gets a little bit too wet. What's your name? My name's Fluffy. Fluffy Cookie. Well, that's a... That's a close shave. I have been in hairier situations. There's no lighting over in the corner over at the lounge there. Did you want to go and see what Hamad International Airport has to offer? I looked her up and down. She grabbed me by the hand and started leading me towards the darkest corner of the room while Brundle watched. Well, she started kissing me. All up and down. And I didn't hate it one bit. I looked her deep in her eyes. Well, I guess it's lights out and away we go.
Well, it looks like Crofty won the game against Martin Brundle. So will Karun Chandok ever return with their luggage? Who knows? Maybe we can find out in the next episode of Crofty's Love Files. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for episode 171. Thank you so much for stopping by the Pimp International Racing Circuit. Thank you, the Cherubs, the Muffins, and up there in the Legends Lounge, the Legends Club members. Oh, my Lord. But if you've missed out on any of the other episodes, head over to parkingmyfermate.com. They're all there, ready to download. As well as if you want to pick yourself up something nice from the merch store, use code PODCASTEXCLUSIVE5. Gives you a 5% discount with your free worldwide shipping link in description. But if you want a little bit more, well, you've got to sign up to join that Legends Club to get a seat in the Legends Lounge like the Legends up there. They get their name read out in every single episode. They get their name in the show notes all the time. They also get 25% discount with their free worldwide shipping in the merch store. If you don't mind, we have Austin, Alex, Anthony, Caleb, Clint, John, and Taylor. Taylor! Your shirt back on. What are you doing? You crazy man. You're a madman. Going crazy up there. Yeah, I'll be up in a sec. Give me a double Midori on ice, please. Unlimited double Midori's up there. Thanks for Doris for pouring those out. Woo! If you don't mind. But make sure you subscribe because we got some big shows coming up as we start to preview the French Grand Prix. Yes, the Grand Prix will be shit house, but at least the shows will be entertaining. Yeah? Yeah, I'm sure they will be. Well, the only, only way to find out is to listen, yeah? But as always, my cherubs, my muffins, and the legends up there, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.